This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Jordan Lee Dooley. She's got a brand new book out called Own Your Everyday, Overcome the Pressure to Prove and Show Up for What You Were Made to Do. And in this conversation, we're going to talk all about just basically living intentionally, finding contentment where you're at, but then that doesn't mean that you don't grow into being more of who you are and more of what you can be dealing with external expectations as well as unrealistic internal expectations on yourself and then identifying and eliminating excuses and prioritizing and having discipline so that you can own your everyday. If those subjects sound interesting to you, then you're going to love this conversation with Jordan Lee Dooley. This week, it's my privilege to welcome to the show, Jordan Lee Dooley. Jordan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So you have a brand new book out called Own Your Everyday. And for me, those are prime words. Those are those are <laughs> trigger words in a good way. Because when I hear owning and and, and day, because you know, this is all about productivity and time, like that to me rings true with just this theme of intentional living, right? Yes. Yes. I um it was quite the title to come to. We had about a hundred thousand iterations of it, it felt like, but that one really sit with me really well because what I loved, I think, about the way that that's set up is that it has the word ownership or, you know, it pertains to ownership. But at the same time, um, the word every day is spelled as one word because it kind of takes a dual meaning. And if you spell it as one word, it actually has the synonyms to the word like ordinary, but it also insinuates like your daily life. And so having kind of that kick butt, you know, ownership part in the beginning and then every day is kind of like the daily approachable word, I think kind of makes it really embodies what's in the book, which is kind of like that warm hug and kick in the pants at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great, yeah, that's a great way to put it. I love that because, because it's all about kind of like having tough love and yet grace and forgiveness for yourself at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. So I felt like that really came through the title and gets us where we, you know, really embodies the heart of the book. So yeah, I love this idea of finding contentment where you're mm-hmm. at. And, and what's weird about that is some people would say, well, if I'm content, then I don't need to grow. I don't need to move forward. But sure. it, you know, I think what you're saying is, is no, be content, have the ability to be content where you're at, but then also grow into more of who you are out of a contented state instead of feeling like you're pressured to grow, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's the, it's that contentment without complacency or without getting too comfortable. Yeah. And there's a difference. I think sometimes we can become so comfortable that we're actually not that content. We're just comfortable. You know, we're not doing the hard work to say, am I even content in this? Is this even where I really need to be? Um, and on the flip side, I think sometimes we can become so goal oriented or so, you know, future focused that we overlook 
the opportunities right in front of us and that we lose the actual ability to be content. So it is that careful balance and bringing those two things together, I think is more of an art form and a skill rather than just a great idea. This is a great book for those that are out there that feel the pull between mm-hmm. you want to like where you're at now, but you also want to appropriately not like where you're at right now right. to drive exactly. you forward. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And and then on the flip side, also the expectations that deal proper deal appropriately, I should say, uh, with the expectations of uh, external sources, but also your your own internal sources. Exactly. Yep. And I think, you know, I found that when I was looking at not only at the marketplace, but also just the landscape of what's the internet now and what messages are we consuming? I felt like it was often I would hear one or the other. It was a lot of either be content, you know, be still, be intentional where you are, or it was be so future oriented, go after the next thing. And I think for, you know, I'm an Enneagram three. I don't know if you know your Enneagram number, but for someone like me, I'm very achievement oriented. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of wrote the book I needed to hear and it's a, <laughs> a skill that I'm learning as I'm living. And so it's, you know, um, something that I think anyone who has any type of ambition or who can feel kind of stuck in with a lack of direction, both can pull from and we both need that, you know, it, it kind of serves both and brings those things together. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of maybe so those, those, um, those symptomatic, you know, manifestations of those external expectations. You, you spend a lot of time on social media. What, what is that doing to us? Yeah. You know, I think social media changed my life in so many ways. So I always am like quick to celebrate it, but I also know where it can be challenging and where it can be a problem. And so I really look at it like I have to always shift my mindset with it and keep it in its proper boundaries. And so one big thing for me is kind of looking at it as a tool and being strategic with it. I think sometimes we can kind of get lost in it. And I mean, I'm guilty of that too, but I think when I'm in a season where I am intentionally trying to grow without being comfortable or complacent, I think that can quickly become an area where either we're using it as a tool to grow or we're just kind of mind numbing and that's where we get kind of complacent. And so for me, it's like, okay, is this what I'm sharing or what I'm consuming for entertainment or for education? And if it's often for entertainment, then I'm failing to use it as a tool. So it's, so that's a piece of advice I often give to whether it's other women working online or just women using that space or men using that space is, is this, a, am I using this as a tool or am I just kind of becoming a consumer? Am I contributing to this or am I consuming so much that it's kind of consuming my life? And I think that's a really healthy mindset. And um, I would say like thought process and discipline to kind of check in with yourself and be sure that you're using it for its proper purposes or in a way that actually moves the needle in your life. Yeah. One of the recent episodes that I did was talking with, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but Cal Newport of deep work and now also uh, his mm-hmm. new book, Digital Minimalism, he talks about the effects that, you know, social media has on us. It's not even necessarily that he, v- he even ever goes into, and I know you do, uh, going into the, um, the imposter syndrome, syndrome or comparison uh-huh. trap that is easy to fall into. And, and again, that mm-hmm. creates unrealistic external expectations, but then unrealistic in turn, internal expectations. We think we have to be. Right. And then we believe that lie and we, we think it's our own voice and it's not. Right. And I, and I think the kind of the secondary or, you know, the extra effect of that or the, the other results I think that can come from that is that actually does more harm to really moving the needle. Like we talked about that necessary growth and 
I would say, you know, taking those intentional steps out of complacency and being comfortable or getting stuck, I think it actually has the the adverse effect or the reverse effect where it actually kind of holds us there because we're so focused on what isn't happening or what we're not able to do or what, you know, something someone else is doing that it actually becomes more of a mindset and a, a barrier to where we really need to go rather than, you know, a breakthrough. So what do you say to somebody who they maybe haven't gotten to that point where they're using social media as a tool uh, or, or maybe they need to sit down and decide that first. Maybe is that the first step is to decide what is your relationship to this tool? Yeah. You know, I think with any tool or anything that we invest our lives in social media or otherwise, whether it's working out or relationships or work or social media, I think having why statements, I wrote about this in the book, um, to guide those things and get us, you know, really focus on what we're doing and why we're spending our time there is really, really key. I gave this example about when I was, you know, there's been times I've been at a gym and running on a treadmill and I start competing with the girl next to me who's running on the treadmill has no idea that we're in a race, you know, but I've made this up in my mind and it kind of got me off track as to why I even went there in the first place. And, you know, it's like, I actually came to take care of my heart health, you know, to take care of my body. But now (laughs) I've turned it into something where I'm completely distracted from why I even showed up in the first place. So to have a why statement, like, why do I work out? When I start finding myself doing that, I can say, oh, wait, am I actually living into what I said I came for? Or am I getting distracted by something that doesn't really matter? And so I think in the same way, asking myself, why do I use social media? Is it to reach a certain intended audience and market, you know, a message, a, you know, mindset, a tool, a product, a resource, a product or a social problem? Or is it, you know, when I started getting distracted, or am I here to compare myself straight from the internet, right? And if I'm like, well, I'm here to really use it as a tool, but I've now just wasted an hour, you know, comparing myself to strangers, it kind of helps me snap out of that. So having why statements before we step into some of those arenas doesn't mean it's like complete immunity, but I think it helps get us back on track and guide our decision-making and how we use those spaces and how we invest our time. Yeah. Well, and even going back to the example of being on the treadmill, perfectly great thing to be doing. That's an activity that we all should be probably doing more of. Um, But again, that competition was an unhealthy competition. That, that you were having. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. And there's, you know, that's why I always say there's nothing wrong with a little healthy competition, right? right? When the other person knows that y'all are in a competition, <laughs> and you both have an equal chance. Yeah. Um, but also when it's something that, you know, is driving you to succeed and moving the needle and not just distracting you from what you ultimately are set out to do and what the true why the deeper why behind what you're doing is. So if we have those why statements, that's, that's a mm-hmm. great starting place. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say then the next step is? And, and and by the way, do we want to get crazy and go like with whys all over the place or maybe start simple and say, okay, here's a couple <laughs> big main yeah. whys first. I think it depends on who you are and what you're most prone to be distracted by or consumed by, if that makes sense. But I will say, I think the, the best place to start is with those areas that you do spend a lot of time, that you do invest a lot of talent and energy and, you know, loyalty and resources. And so things like that are often relationships and you know, maybe it's fitness or a certain type of way that you're eating or, you know, a project that you're working on or social media are these spaces that we actually do give a lot of our time to and a lot of our talent to. And so I think that's a really healthy place to start picking your top three or four, I think is a great place. And then I think that second, I think building off of that is actually putting parameters around those things. Once you know your deeper why, you have to kind of put some boundaries on that in order to guide your ability to live into that deeper why, to live into that you know mission statement or that purpose statement that guides what you're doing so that you can do it purposefully rather than just arbitrarily. Yeah. Uh, this focus of, uh, be, you know, on who you are 
not uh, what you do fits so well into the theme of this show. I know this is a productivity show and people are all about like, what's the right next step for me to do? Uh But there's a reason it's called beyond the to-do list because there's so much more of a clarity about what's the next right thing to do. If you're focusing like those things to do the right things to do really almost magically appear. I don't want to, sound frou-frou, but they they just do sort of magically appear. If you're focused on who you are and then who you want to be and you're doing those things, then all of a sudden your actions are then falling in line with that person you are and who you want to be. Right. Yeah. I always say like you, A, you really can't do what you're made to do until you know who you are. Like, Mm -hmm. otherwise you're just kind of randomly shooting from the hip. Right. Um, and so I think a lot of times we like want to find our thing, find our dream, you know, hit the milestone, like whatever we're working toward. And I think sometimes we live under the lie that once we do that, we'll like find ourselves (laughs) or we'll like somehow be more ourselves. And I think that definitely can contribute to our sense of fulfillment. But I think we have to remember who we are is independent of that. Um, and it actually can inform that rather than the other way around. And I think when we think the other way around, that's when we really get stuck. Um, so that's a big thing right there. And like you said, you know, knowing who you are is really the, I think, foundation for not only the decisions we make, but how we, again, go back to knowing our why, investing our time, making the decisions that we make and really making, you know, not allowing our work to become our identity and not allowing that to become, you know, like I always talk about labels and how often we put labels on ourselves, like based off of our jobs or based off of, you know, what we've accomplished. And while those are certainly factors of who we are, I think sometimes we begin to live into that as if that's all that we are. And like you said, it's so beyond that. And so keeping that in the front of our minds, I think is really, really key for having those disciplines that we're talking about for being more um, intentional with where we're investing, why we're investing, what we're really doing. Because I think when we put our whole identity in what we do, we actually miss out on so much of life. Yeah, they're roles that we play and we, we right. shift, you know, we shuffle hats. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and you mentioned shooting from the hip and, and actually there's really nothing wrong with that if it's coming out of your identity versus right. the, you know, the pressure to be somebody you're not. Exactly. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to go back to the imposter syndrome a bit here because obviously there's a whole lot more involved there than just seeing somebody on social media and thinking, oh, I need to be like them. There's a whole lot more pressure that comes from, I mean, it, we do live in a day and age where social media plays so much into the imposter syndrome, but it existed well before that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, imposter syndrome is just the feeling of if people found out how much, you know, maybe inexperience I have or that I'm just starting out or that I, you know, they found out what I'm struggling with or whatever, then they would think I'm a fraud. I mean, I talked about this in the book where when I first started everything I was doing, it simply started with a little small business in college. And I was packaging items that I was shipping to people and answering customer service from biology class, you know, and I'm like, man, if people knew that I would, look, I, they would probably want to return. <laughs> oh, I lost you. You know, trying my hand at this, maybe I shouldn't. And so, you know, I think we have to really fight against that by actually being okay. Like, I think the problem isn't necessarily that we have an experience with something or that we're trying something new. It's actually, it's the imposter syndrome becomes an issue when we feel like we have to deny that. When we feel like we have to pretend that we have it all figured out, the whole fake it till you make it concept, mm-hmm. I think is actually more damaging than helpful. <laughs> like it can sometimes be a temporary solution. But I think when we get stuck in that is when we really um, miss out on the opportunity to learn and to be coachable um, and to really be intentional with how we're, you know, growing rather than just trying to mask that we don't actually know. Yeah. Well, so what are some of those steps then that we can do to start short circuiting this imposter syndrome, you know, get it out from the roots? Yeah. You know, I think one of the biggest things with imposter syndrome is that we often think like, okay, to overcome it, I shouldn't feel like I'm inexperienced or like a fraud or anything like that. But my whole thing is like, maybe we actually, that's not the issue. I think actually acknowledging that we don't know or that we are inexperienced or that maybe we do feel a little insecure is actually step one to overcoming it. So that's not really the issue. I think the issue with imposter syndrome is feeling that and then trying to deny it or cover it up or act like you know, we're something we're not kind of like we talked about. And so, you know, as I started to think about that, I thought, well, maybe the way to overcome it isn't to like fake it till you make it, you know, or things like that. Maybe it's actually admitting, you know what, I don't know. And like, who can I ask for help? Right? Like, who can I learn from? So one of the big action steps that I shared in the book, and that I truly believe in is the willingness to be coachable. I think that's actually imposter syndrome tries to, I think, make us feel like we shouldn't be coachable, or we just have to figure it out. 
And I think that actually feeds it more. And so one of my biggest tangible things is like, who can you learn from? For example, if you are a new teacher at a school and there are older teachers who are more experienced than you and you feel like I just got to prove myself to these teachers to show them I'm capable. I think that's actually where a lot of that kind of pressure to prove comes in (laughs) rather than saying, hey, you know what? You guys know more than me. And showing them not only the respect, but being willing to be coachable so that you can advance quicker, so that you can learn from those who've gone ahead of you, you know, in whatever setting you're in. That's just an example. But that's a really big thing. And then I also talk a lot about incremental, implementable, imperfect action. (laughs) It's like a little phrase that I made up. (laughs) And the reason for that is because I think those three things have to go together if we're going to progress and like kind of power through those feelings of inadequacy, right? Those feelings of insecurity Mm -hmm. in whatever we're doing or trying or setting out to do. And so I say those three because they have to be in that order, I think, or at least together. Because I think a lot of times when we're being encouraged to go after something, we're, we're encouraged to take massive action, right? Like big action, big steps. And that's great. But I think that's where we get stuck. We see this massive thing in front of us. And it's like, how do I climb this mountain in a day? Right? Like, how do I figure this out? And so my whole thing is incremental is small. It's step by step. It's one little motion at a time. It's one little step forward. Implementable means it's something that you can actually implement with your given circumstances, with your given frustration or not frustrations, your current situation. Um, you know, all of those things that you're actually capable of the resources you have, you know, it's like, well, if you don't have tons of money, you probably shouldn't go be investing in something that's going to put you into debt in order to get to your goal, right? Like maybe there's some other smaller action steps that you can implement might get you there slower, but it's actually going to help you learn along the way. And then that imperfect word is so key because it's like that any action we take is going to be imperfect, right? Like you and I are trying to do this podcast interview and (laughs) I'm, you know, like imperfect. There's signal issues we had to deal with. And so, you know, there's, it's like, but we're taking action anyway, and it's something that's small and it's a, it's an incremental step that can be implemented even if imperfectly. And so I often encourage people, no matter what they're trying to do or create or achieve or anything, it's like, am I trying to take such big, massive action that I'm actually getting stuck and feel paralyzed with perfectionism or like, you know, that inadequacy is taking over, or am I allowing myself to take those small incremental implementable steps imperfectly? And that is a tongue twister, by the way. I know. So <laughs> I'm super impressed with your ability to just zip through that. Um, as I was listening to you say that, I couldn't help but hear like the title of the book just shining through. You're talking about owning it, like owning mm-hmm. that inadequacy and saying, yep. look, instead of, instead of brushing it aside and pretending it's not there, you own right. it and you say, but and, and and again, it's like the first step to fixing a problem is admitting you have one almost, you know, totally. Yeah. And then as far as the action steps, I saw the every day shining through over and over because, again, it's mm-hmm. not it's not how do I climb this mountain today? It's how do I take right. a step towards getting higher up on it? Right. In my everyday life. Yes. and What's currently available to me. Exactly. Yeah, man. Uh, of course, then if we're going to overcome that pers- that uh, that perfectionism you know, kind of stemming mm-hmm. from the imposter syndrome. And it, it, one, it's going to be uh, accepting that things don't have to be perfect and aren't going to be perfect, but we can prioritize which things maybe can be closer to perfect first by and prioritizing them. I yeah, think that's most the important. Thing. It's more like, I think sometimes we default to, especially, I mean, for me, but I think especially for anyone who's passionate about what they do or they, you know, are goal oriented and achievement oriented and productivity oriented. I think sometimes what can start to happen is either we can be, there's two extremes. Like we can either become careless, almost like 
not even really striving for excellence because we're just trying to get something done. And I don't think that's the solution. But on the flip side, otherwise, on the flip side, we can become kind of stuck and like paralyzed by perfectionism, like I mentioned. And I think it comes down to prioritizing what's important. Not necessarily what needs what's perfect or, you know, what's something I can check off the list, but actually what's important because that will allow us to realign our days <laughs> and the way we're investing our time and our talent and our energy. And so, like you just mentioned, you know, the, the word important really stood out to me in what you said because I think sometimes we focus a lot on deadlines or on appearances and how something comes across or how it appears or how it looks or how it makes us look in the reflection and how others, what others think of it, you know, and it's like all these things and it's going, it's, it's kind of bringing it back down and saying, hold on, how can I implement what's important incrementally with imperfect action? And what does that actually look like? Well, you first have to define what's important because otherwise, you know, is it, is getting it done what's most important or is getting it done well enough? What's important is, you know, the ultimate purpose that it's going to serve, whether it's a project that's going to help people with their businesses or, you know, something that's going to help people with their health or whatever that thing is that you're ultimately striving for. And what's most important, maybe being, maybe what's most important isn't productivity today. Maybe it isn't getting it done today. Maybe it's actually being very present because of a family situation going on or with, you know, those people that we love. And so I think it's realigning our brains to remember, yes, we want to take imperfect action, but not just take action to take action, you know, or get stuck because we don't know where to take action is actually finding what's truly important. Like if I don't have tomorrow, what will I care about that I did today? And I think asking ourselves that question really helps us realign and kind of get out of not only carelessness on one extreme, but also perfectionism on the other extreme. People that listen to the show know that again, the most productive thing you could be doing isn't necessarily maybe what you planned on doing, but what is most important in that context, in that moment. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to switch and be flexible and say, wait, yes, like, for example, a family situation or something. Well, the most productive thing you can do is to be in line with your priorities, which is to be present with that family member or whatever the situation is. And that's just not something you can necessarily always plan for. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I think, where that intentionality with flexibility is huge. And I think we often think flexibility and then it's unintentional because we're just kind of trying to be open or on the flip side, we're so intentional, we're so planned that we miss what's important and we don't allow ourselves the flexibility that really is necessary yeah. for the things that really matter. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's having that plan. It's having a plan so that you can move in a direction, but then it's having the ability to throw the plan out when you exactly. need to. <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, so speaking of imperfection, one of the things that also comes out of the imposter syndrome and, uh, per, you know, striving for perfect perfectionism imperfectly, whatever that word, I, 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 all these words are all <laughs> over the place, but we can get so distracted by social media by what others think, by what even our internal voices. And there's really only one cure for distraction, according to you. And I, and I whole, totally wholly, wholehearted agree with this, which is, is discipline. Yeah, 100%. And I think we, I think we've like somehow made discipline out to be overrated in our culture. And I think we actually forget what discipline is because we can be disciplined when it comes to how we eat, right? Like it can, we can be disciplined in some of those things if we really set the goal and are like going for it. But I think there's still a lot of ways we're very undisciplined with our time. Um, back to the social media conversation. That's a big part of it. But I think any of those things, I mean, nowadays, I mean, you have creative work, right? That you can probably do from anywhere, podcasting, whatever, and things like that. I mean, 
it's hard to clock out when you are invested in love what you do, right? And even if you don't necessarily love what you do, it's easy to really like let that seep into your life. And like when your personal life and your professional life kind of bleed into one another, it makes it even harder because you can really easily justify like, oh, well, this is for work and it's important or vice versa. Like this is life. This is important. And it's almost like, but in that moment and in what that is designed to be focused on, it's actually more of a distraction, even if it's, you know what I mean? So it's actually having a little bit of that mind discipline, mindset discipline too, as to what's important, but also what's important right now, what's important in this moment or for today. Um, because I think that when those things bleed together, it can be really hard to determine, but discipline, I think in every area I talked a lot about in the book, you know, when you really overcome distraction, it's not when you become a drill sergeant, but it's when you, when you actually start making decisions with more discipline and decisions down to the science, like we talked about it, but like, well, how am I going to use my time and why am I going to use my time? And one example I gave was actually two steps that have helped me is one, having three or four guiding goals or directives, and they're bigger, they're broader, they're more like life directives rather than like specific smart goals, right? They're more like, who do I want to be? And so for me, it's like, well, I want to lead my team well, and I want to work really smart. I want to be present with my husband, especially in the evenings. I want to you know, move my body. I want to pray like these things that are bigger kind of directives. I have to then weigh those smaller daily decisions of how I'm spending my time. Like, is this actually moving the needle on one of those four bigger directives? If not, maybe I need to realign. So that's having those just in place, even though they're not super specific as to how I'm going to do them, it helps me make more intentional choices with those specific decisions. And on the flip side, I also heard of this tool. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, the 10, 10, 10 analysis. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, game changing. I learned about that a couple years ago and it has been so helpful when it comes to like what I'm committing to. Cause I think we forget distractions are not simply like I'm scrolling on social media aimlessly. Distractions can also be things we commit ourselves to that were truly not ours to, to take on um, or that were not right for us in the season. Like overcommitment is a total sneaky form of distraction. And, um, they distract us from what's ultimately important and what we need to be stewarding. And so, you know, using the 10, 10, 10 tool, it's how do I feel about this in 10 minutes? How will I feel about this in 10 weeks? And how will I feel about this in 10 months? And if it's something that I'm over committing myself to out of the feeling that I need to people please or not let someone down or, you know, show that I can take it on or prove that I got it. Um, I'll probably feel great about it 10 minutes after committing to it and really crappy about it 10 months after committing to it when I'm like in the thick of it and no one's cheering, you know, praising me for saying yes anymore. And on the flip side, like making those hard decisions, like, you know what, I'm going to choose not to buy the cookies in 10 minutes. I'm probably going to be kind of disappointed. Like I really wanted to get the extra cookie or the extra dessert or whatever, but in 10 weeks, I'll probably be glad because you have to start thinking about how does present me affect future me? It's not getting obsessed with future you, but it's that intentionality of how does, how does this decision in my present affect my future and how will I feel about that outside the moment? And so when you can get a really, you know, I would say consistent response for the 10 minutes, 10 weeks and 10 months, I think that's a good indicator. Okay. This is a decision to move forward on. So yeah, I I just got to agree though. Discipline is just such an underrated, Mm -hmm. you know, thing. I mean, people think about discipline, like, Oh, you discipline your child. I mean, and and in a sense, that's true. You're, you're doing that to kind of guide them in the right way, but it applies to you yourself as well, you know? So, yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we can't even discipline a dog or a child or really anyone or expect others to have discipline if we don't even really know what those parameters are in our lives. And, you know, my husband and I are very different. Our ways of disciplining our time and saying, you know, we need we have different needs because we're different people. I'm somebody who can grind out and stay disciplined on work eight hours straight. And he's like, after two hours, I need a 15 minute break to like go walk outside. Mm. And at first I was like, you're so distracted. What are you doing? You know, why aren't you focused? And he's like, 
in order for me to focus for another, you know, block of time, I need a, you know, 15, 20, 30 minute break. And so I had to start recognizing that as that isn't him just getting distracted. It's him refocusing and realigning for the next task he has to do. And so, but it's just knowing how you discipline yourself and how you can be most, um, how you can serve not only yourself, but those that work with you or around you by understanding how they are best disciplined, given their needs, their abilities, their mindsets really starts to change the game and how you really see that. And then how you can implement it and help encourage and do things in a way that's sustainable, not just overly ambitious and then not sustainable. We could go on for a lot longer, but ultimately, (laughs) I want to kind of tie this up and say, like, the book's amazing. People probably have a great taste of what it's like. And yet, Mm -hmm. we've really kind of only scratched the surface, which is great for people talking about their own book, because it's like, oh, go buy the book. Duh. But but, uh, I I would love to say also that you have this amazing podcast out there. I'd love for you to pitch that real quick, just so people can go and find it. Because, you know, one of the best ways for people to find podcasts is to hear them on another podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, about six months ago, we started the She podcast. It's the personal development podcast for the everyday woman. So we cover four key areas. We talk about business, kind of like productivity, business, dreams, um, health, faith, and relationships. And so I feel like those are four key areas in a person's life and in a woman's life and navigating those things can be a challenge and especially with discipline and intentionality. And so it's been a really fun project. It really grew quickly and it's been fun and really rewarding for us. So if you have any interest in you know, personal development and you're an everyday gal, go check it out. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So, and then also obviously the book. So is the best place for people to go to find it, just to hop on over to your site, jordanleedooley.com slash book? Absolutely. Or if you're browsing in Target, it'll be there or in your local Barnes and Noble or online on Amazon. I mean, it's pretty much everywhere you can find a book, but to learn a little bit more about it and me and kind of the whole the whole picture beyond just the book, that's the best spot to go. Yeah, perfect. So this is dropping right now and the book's out. So yeah, go grab it. Awesome. <laughs> Check yeah, it out. Get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Jordan, it's been awesome talking with you and uh, we're going to probably have to do this again because I am sure that there's so much more we could talk about sometime in the future. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor to be here. Well, that's another podcast episode checked off your listening to-do list. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jordan. I know that I did. It's always important for us to get a reminder to consistently start living intentionally and to get a reminder of what our priorities are, get realigned with our discipline. Because even if we're good at prioritizing and even if we have discipline, a check-in, it's not so bad to have, right? And if you, as you were listening, thought of somebody else who you know would enjoy or will accept you saying, hey, I think you should listen to this episode, you know, that friend or colleague or whatever that you have that right relationship with where you can say, hey, check out this podcast. I know you really need it, but I'm not going to say it in that way. You know that person. If you wouldn't mind sharing it with them or just sharing it out on social media just to help the general public or the people that follow you online, I would love for you to do that. So you can hit the share button here inside of your podcast listening app of choice, or you can go over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com slash 273. There you'll find share buttons to share the show out as well and see the links for everything that we talked about in this episode. And thanks again for listening. I will see you next episode.
Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.